Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. I'll be there. (laughs) Keep going. No, keep going. I'll be there for you. I'll be there for you. Guys. I'll be there for you. Two things. Christian actually sings. I don't. I also but don't take don't, that as a sample of my singing, please. I don't watch Friends. I never have. I tried to, but my husband is obsessed. Like first two years of marriage, fell asleep to Friends every single night. See, that's what Justin and I wanted to try to do. We were like in our second year of marriage, and we felt like we needed to binge it, and mm-hmm. we just never caught on to it. But it's so good. There are Everyone a lot of good says, pieces to somebody it. Somebody told me that we don't need to start from. We were like season one, episode one. They said we need to skip season one yeah. to start you to get into just it. Jump right in. Yes. Okay. Anyways, but friends, I know there's a bunch of people who love it out there, though. So true. So there you go. Yeah. So that kind of brings us to our first topic that we wanted to dive into, and that is on friendships. And you know, Christian and I were just thinking through like, why is this even important that we value friendships at this age? I mean. From my perspective, we kind of go through a stage in life, your entire childhood and even into high school, you're kind of spoon-fed friends and opportunities to meet people. And then you kind of go through college if you have a more traditional-looking college experience. And the same thing, you kind of make these friends through your dorm or your activities or classes, and then you're kind of just like thrust into the world and you're busy, you're tired, you're working, some people a full-time job, or like me, you go into a marriage and then a family and it's just, it's hard to find ways to meet people. Honestly, it takes a lot of work. And so Christian, kind of tell us more about why we thought this was so important to talk about. Yeah, like I said, you know, we both really wanted to dig into we feel a strong pull into community. And so why is that? We're created for that. The Bible talks about that. And Jesus, you know, mentions it several times himself. We see him in close community with people and we see him really like enduring hardship with friendships. And he brings really a couple people very closely in. And so we see that example of him. But then he's also a super busy person. It's not like he only spends his time only with these people. And so we wanted to see like, what example are we given in the Bible for friendships? And what are some characteristics of healthy, good friendships that like Christ calls us to? Yeah. Well, first, I think it's important to remember that we are commanded to have friendships. We're commanded to be in close community. And I think that's actually really important to mention because I can tend to get busy with my own family and my own comforts and my own daily schedules and think that, you know, friendships aren't that important. And I think we're reminded that they absolutely are. We're commanded to be in close community. And when we have that perspective, it kind of changes how we approach friendships in general. So here in Colossians 3, 12 through 14, we hear God talk about this in this way. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So good. I love that verse because I think sometimes it's hard for us, you know, we just want friendships that are like joyful and joy like filled and give us a lot of greatness. And that verse right there calls out like, no, friendships are going to be hard. They require patience and they require meekness and they require a lot of love. And so keeping that in mind when building friendships, 
it sounds like such an easy thing, but it really is like something you have to be vulnerable with and really open and just loving with. Well, as you're saying that, I don't even think I've ever thought about this, but growing up in my world, if a friendship was difficult or dramatic or hard, we're kind of coached through life. Well, then you probably should distance yourself from that friend. Like that's not a friendship. And maybe, I don't know if that's wise for a middle schooler, maybe that is good advice, but I think we're trained to think that. And so we get into our adult life and we have a hard, bumpy friendship or difficult conversations. And that makes us go, whoa, okay, maybe we're just not meant to be friends. It's, we should distance ourselves. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good point. It for sure takes wisdom and discernment to figure that out in a friendship. But yeah, our first instinct should not be to run when something's hard in a friendship or when there's a hard conversation or just tension in that because yeah, we can press into it yeah. instead. Yeah, for sure. So another area, John 15, 12 through 13 says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for another. So for obviously this is Jesus talking about our relationship with him, but also commanding us to love one another. And so what that true love looks like is sacrificial love, love that is sometimes hard to navigate and hard to press into, but he's calling us into that with others and himself. And then also another area is 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three. It says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And Samantha and I really have talked a lot about, obviously, being friends ourselves. We've talked a lot about what makes our friendship maybe different than others. And so that's kind of what some of these verses are digging into are just the characteristics of a good friendship, characteristics of a friendship that does encourage you, that spurs you on, that loves you. So that's one of those things. Obviously, Jesus right here is saying, you know, it's important of who you surround yourself with. It's important that those people are sound people. Obviously, we can have a lot of friends, but who are you really bringing in really closely to impact your life, to speak into your life, and who are you getting that, you know, advice or mentorship from? Yeah, that wisdom from. I like here this verse I'm going to read in Job. It's in Job 42, and it's verse 10. It says, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had done before. So here it's just interesting to me, you know, the story of Job is hard, and it's kind of just highlighting the fact that God views friendships really important. He holds them highly. You know, he was in a way rewarding Job for this dedication to praying for his friends. And it's just a good reminder for me. You know, I want to be a person that in my friendships, when I say, hey, I'm going to be here for you, I'm going to pray for you, that that's not just a kind sentiment, but that I am taking that seriously so that our friendship can be one of depth. And just so my friends know that, hey, I'm here for you. I'm not just here to have a good time with you on the weekends or to boost my social status or whatever that looks like, but I'm here to like be with you through the good and the bad. It's much easier said than done, but... Yes, it is for sure hard. In a bit here, Samantha and I will kind of dig into a little bit about, because like Samantha said, we are really similar in some ways, but also really different. And our friend life does cross over a little bit, but also we both have kind of like different sin patterns or just different pride or just sin that we bring into friendships. And both you and I have recognized those patterns. And so that's something you and I have really connected on. And we'll kind of go into that in a little bit here. Yeah. So before we kind of talk about through what um, true friendships in our Christian adult life should look like, let's just get real for a second into why do you think so many people we've talked to really struggle with finding deep, valuable friendships? <laughs> we've talked about this so much, but it's like so hard. I mean, it's different, so different for everyone. 
you know, again, in this life stage, we are all trying to figure it out. We are taking on new roles, if that's being a wife or being a mom or being a full-time worker or being kind of like you, like you're in and out of being a mom and like a business owner at the same time. And there's just so many things to navigate. I think a lot of times we, it's so hard in this season because it's hard to be vulnerable of just saying like, hey, I need friendships and I need to like really dig in with some people. But it's also sometimes just hard to find those people. Or you feel the complete opposite that I think some people feel like an overwhelming sense of like, oh, wow, I'm a part of all these like maybe a singles group or I have this like awesome community in my gym. But then that's really overwhelming to then dive deeper and get vulnerable yes. to actually create like solid friendships, not just like acquaintances that kind of like transition by. Yeah, it's kind of awkward to create friends as adults. I mean, what do you do? It's like, I remember a couple of years ago, I met this girl who worked at the Starbucks I frequent way too often. And I really clicked with her and connected. But it's like, mm, what do I do <laughs> from here? Like, do I ask her to like, yeah. hang out with me? It's, you know, and I ended up pursuing that. And it's a girl that I love having conversation with and getting to talk to. But it's kind of weird. It's like, okay, where do I make friends? If I do kind of meet people I click with, how do I take it to the next level? You know, do I awkwardly message them and ask them to lunch? And I do think that it is putting yourself out there and being really intentional with it. Because like we talked about earlier, friends aren't just handed to you when you're our age, you kind of have to work for them. Yeah. Well, so yeah, tell us in that situation, did you get the girl's number? Yeah, or I did. You do? Well, okay. okay, I was a major creeper and I just kept being really kind every time I saw her. And I actually just gave her like a little Christmas gift. It was like around the holidays. <laughs> Don't laugh. It was awkward, but she actually really loved it. So I gave her this tiny little, I think it was a candle or something, like I gave her a Christmas gift. And she was just like so excited about that because I saw her frequently giving mm-hmm. me coffee and sh- I just saw her yeah. being kind to everyone. And so then we ended up getting each other's number. Well, I actually asked her to coffee after she kind of got off. And I was like, I really like you. I feel like every time I come in here, we have these cool conversations. I would love to connect deeper. And so we got coffee. And then now from time to time, her and I will grab lunch or coffee again. And yeah, it's not someone that maybe I go like to when I'm needing advice or deep mentorship, but she's definitely someone that now I like, get excited when I get to see her. Yeah. No, I think that's so good, though, because that's like just like authentic of like we our lives brought us together all the time and you saw potential there and you were just like vulnerable about it. I think it like takes that. I was actually like an example last night. I was at this study and I didn't know anyone else at this study. And it was kind of like not my normal group of people. And I had mentioned I'm in Enneagram three. You know, Samantha and I could go on the Enneagram conversation for a long time, but I'm a, I'm a one. She just also so I mentioned something like that in discussion, and so she came up to me afterwards and she's like, "Oh my gosh, I wanted to yell at you across the room like Enneagram threes." And honestly, she approaching me, I like looked across the room and I'm like, "Oh, she's sweet. She had a lot of awesome things to say during the conversation." So I was intrigued by her, but she came up to my table at the end of it and said, "Like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, like." We have like crossed paths before. My name is this. And like, let's get each other's numbers because the more you said tonight, I think like it'd be really fun to hang out. And I literally sat there and I was like, I love your vulnerability. Like she was very honest and very open of just saying like, I want to get your number. Let's exchange numbers. And it was just sweet. It made me feel really encouraged and pursued and loved by her. And it was exciting also like, okay, this is like a potential where she is a little older than I. And I was excited for like where that friendship would go. So again, like it could be a really awesome like long-term like you're saying like someone I go to for all 
the depths yeah. of like what's going on in my life, but it could also just be a really sweet life-giving friendship at some point too. And it takes a lot of that vulnerability, I think sometimes to get there and to like create those relationships. Yeah. And even just the courage she had to walk up to you. I mean, I think we underestimate that that takes bravery. It kind of sounds silly saying it out loud, but I know a lot of friends that wouldn't do that. And so I think we have to remember, too, most people aren't going to shoot you down completely and think you're a complete weirdo. Like taking that step sometimes. Yeah, yeah, like I met one of my very closest. She is one of the people like I call when everything in life is falling apart and gives great wisdom was she sent me a Facebook message and she had like heard about me and similar similarities that we had and kind of some crossover in social settings. And if she would have never sent me a Facebook message and her and I met for lunch one day, we wouldn't be like as close as we are now. And she wouldn't be one of the people that I like really go to when hard things come about in life. Yeah. So one of the things you and I have talked about and I want to like bring up here because I think it's an important part of this conversation, obviously in our 20s in the middle, everyone is like all over the place. You know, some people are really chasing a career. Some people are chasing their family life and marriage or whatever that may be. So you and I both have friendships that are outside of like I have friends who are maybe not married. They're single. They have no kids. They don't have a husband. You as well. You have different friends in like different life stages. You and I have talked a lot about that, the value of having friends in different stages. And so as we talk about this vulnerability, I think some people may be hearing this, and even I can tend to fall into this. I can compare right away when I meet someone saying like, oh, she's single. She probably isn't interested in like hearing about my life or becoming friends with me. What are some of your opinions or like how have you and Justin built friendships maybe with like people who are in different life stages than you, but still like in your 20s, but obviously like not doing the same thing? So I think it's just really important to prioritize those friendships still. And you kind of have to get creative of what that looks like. So, you know, whereas another family might come over for dinner on a weeknight, I really try to prioritize certain times of the week where I could grab coffee with a friend or, you know, work out with someone, maybe take a walk after my daughter's gone to bed with a friend that doesn't have kids. And for my husband, you know, he works out with a lot of other guys that, are single or maybe they don't have kids yet. And so that's just a way that we prioritize it. But I, I do think you just have to get creative with it and you don't have to just stop hanging out with people that aren't in the same life stage with you. You can kind of figure out ways to make every kind of friendship work. Yeah, that's why I think it's tempting in this life stage when everyone's in different places yeah. to say like, and eh, that person doesn't really meet me where I'm at right now because maybe I could say, you know, maybe that girl's single and she's not dating anyone. And it's like, when would we connect? How would that look? And, and so I think we're talking about being vulnerable, asking people and building friendship. I think that's part of our vulnerability. Like we have to let those walls fall a little bit. Like we were talking, you know, friendships aren't handed to you on a silver platter through your hobbies or whatever. So like making opportunities for that and still capitalizing on the time you may have. So if that's grabbing lunch with that person or a walk or whatever that may be, but still seeing value in people who are maybe like in a different life stage, but still like around that age that you can build friendships there. Yeah, I like that. I think we can kind of talk all about how we make friends and why it's hard. But something I think that we should kind of go to now is why are true friends harder to find versus just fun people that are become acquaintances or people that you enjoy spending time with? I think there are some really, really strong things that we should be looking for in friendships. And I actually found an article by Kelly Weedham, and it was titled, True Friends Are Hard to Find. And she kind of talked through the five marks of Christian friendship. 
honestly, it was good for me to read. It kind of made me go through a mental list in my head of, okay, what friendships are actually doing this? And what friendships do I want to go deeper? And could these things help me get there with those people? Do you kind of want to go through these? We can talk through what each of these were. And the first she kind of talked about friendships that heighten our joy. I think that's probably the easiest mark of a friendship for me. It's easy for me to want to be around people that bring happiness into my life and bring joy. What about you? Yeah, I think this is for sure like the easiest to recognize that it's someone who does like offer joy to your life. I do think it's it's important to recognize the difference between just like being happy and joyful. And so a friend that brings true joy, you know, we're like sharing life together, but we are able to really like pursue joy that we're able to encourage one another in even hard seasons to find how the Lord may be working or how we may be growing. And that's part of that heightening our joy a little bit. But yeah, there are people who you can have fun with and like have pure just fun being around. So for sure, I think probably the easiest to recognize. They're the people that when you walk away from time with them, you just feel a sense of like, like that felt good. That felt refreshing. Yes. And that is like such a sweet reminder of just like the gift of friendship and what it can be through Christ and in him. So the second one is exposing deep sin. (laughs) You and I, I feel like I've talked so much about this. It's hard. Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, Samantha and I are good friends, as we mentioned, and I feel like we're your people who help challenge one another in this area and expose some of this. Obviously, exposing the sin takes vulnerability and allowing someone to get there. I feel like you and I have had conversations. One really important thing, I think, is that you give that person permission to call you out in sin. And so part of that is like you being vulnerable and like sharing your honest feelings or like sin with them, but then them also having the courage and bravery, like we were talking about to say, hey, this is something I see in you and I see it as a concern, how you're living or how you're acting or how you're treating that person. Yeah. And I think practically what this could look like just for some people, maybe if this is new to you going here in conversation, but sometimes what that can look like is me saying, hey, Christian, lately I've been really struggling with this. And even if it's more of a on the surface, easy to talk about sin pattern or something like that in your life, that to me opens the door for then Christian to say, oh, well, I've really been struggling with this, this or this. And then, you know, down the road, I see that kind of pop back up in your life, Christian. It's an easier way for me to come to you and say, hey, how are we doing? Like, I'm kind of seeing you slip into this pattern again, and I just wanted to check in. Like, is this something that you're kind of seeing yourself be aware of? Can I hold you accountable to some things? Can I pray for you? It opens that door. So sometimes you just have to make that first step and kind of bring the vulnerability to the table. Mm -hmm. And I think part of this too, I think I've been in relationships before where maybe that person's not the person who's going to say, will you hold me accountable to this? And so I think sometimes I've been in the position where I've asked someone, hey, I'm hearing this from you as like a friend is sharing a hardship with me you know, maybe it's with her and her husband and she's sharing this information with me. And I say like, do I have permission to hold you accountable on that? You know, you say you don't want to complain as much at home and you don't want to complain about maybe your opinion of like his lack of work around the house. And so I say like, can I hold you accountable on that? And so when I hear her say those things again, it's an easy opportunity for me to say like, hey, I know we talked about it. How's it going? Obviously, like, you know, this has been maybe a hard week. It's like, I can understand what you're saying right now, but that's like an easy segue into really saying, like, I'm going to expose some sin in you and ultimately, like, become more glorified in that, more like Jesus. So Yeah. I think as we're talking about these things, it's a good time to evaluate your friendships. And, you know, it's convicting for me. If you don't have a single friend 
that's calling you out on things. And it can be, again, kindly. It doesn't need to be like this major blow up, call you out, expose your deepest, darkest things. But if you don't have friendships that are talking about hard things, it's like, Start thinking about how can I get there in these friendships? Mm-hmm. And are you inviting that? Do, am I putting off something towards my friends that they feel like they can approach me? Yes. And I'm, maybe I'm not being vulnerable or maybe I'm... Maybe I'm harsh to correct when they do call me out, yeah. you know, and they don't ever want to do that again because yeah. look at how it turned out. For sure. So it's like almost a heart check in that. So the third was to encourage us to obey. Samantha, tell us about some of this, like your experience with some friendships in this area. I just feel like practically some of my friendships that encourage me to obey, sometimes just seeing their actions, being encouraged by how they're being faithful through hardships or how they are making tough choices when the world is telling them they should go one way, but I see them being obedient and walking in the way of Christ. And so that's one way that I feel like I've been encouraged to obey. And then piggybacking off of that exposing deep sin, you know, I love when friendships, when they do kind of expose sin in my life, when they remind me of truth and remind me of how I can walk in obedience. Mm -hmm. That is something for me that it's like, well, what are your intentions in bringing this to the table? Are they bringing it out to like make me feel bad, to talk down to me, to kind of put themselves in a certain position above me? Or are they genuinely concerned that I'm growing in my obedience and they want to see me be the best version of myself in Christ? And so when they have those practical things of what I can be doing to fight against complaining or jealousy or bitterness or whatever that sin pattern is, that to me is a way that I'm encouraged. Yeah. I loved what you said there about these people bring me back to truth and they push truth my direction and they remind me of truth. Because I think as followers of Christ, we all know the truth, but what we know does not always translate to our heart and how we feel. And so I'm thinking of, you know, walking with friendships through hardships with them and just allowing them, like reminding them of the truth and them saying, no, I like needed to hear that. And I so often, I have some really good friends who I vent probably a lot to probably say some really awful things that I just honestly feel in my heart about, you know, my work or my husband or like just things I'm frustrated about. And yeah, it's sometimes good just to get that out. But right away they say, but you know, that's not true. You know, that's not true of how God cares for you. You know that's not true about how Andrew loves you. You know that's not true about how like your work is valued at work, even that mundane task. And so I think part of this encouraging us to obey is just pointing us to truth time and time again in such grace that we feel really accepted. Yeah, that's and, important, I yeah. think. Because mm-hmm. I have a tendency to do that thing where someone starts pouring their heart out or they're really you know, being vulnerable about struggle or complaining and just need to get something off of their chest. And I can almost too quickly be like, oh, but remember. And it's like, sometimes we do need to climb into that place with the person, let them say what they need to say. Mm -hmm. But then yes, always pointing them back is so important because I also have friendships where I think they would let me complain about my husband not unloading the dishwasher forever and never remind me about, you know, why that's wrong to complain. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's so good. The next one is bringing us to God in our weakness. This has been so important through my life and hardships that my husband and I have walked through in the past really five years, all of our marriage so far. I think I really, really crave those friendships that aren't just going to tell me helpful sentiments or things I they think I want to hear, but that always bring me back to God, even in the 
hardest times and that maybe don't need to tell me all the right answers or to try to fix it for me, but that just encourage me to keep seeking God. Because there are days with through some things that I've walked through where it's like I know the truth, kind of talking about that, encouraging us to obey. I know truth, but I feel far from God. I don't I don't want to be in his presence because I'm angry at him. I'm saddened by him. I'm wondering why he's not showing up. And so those friends that can just like gently nudge me through or even just stand beside me and say, I know you're angry at God right now, so I'm going to just stand here with you. It's okay, and I'm going to be praying for you in this. I don't know. That's to me like the ultimate kind of relationship. Yeah. We talked a little bit about even just like people coming to like pray with us in those times or – I know in like some of our personal time together, just saying, you know, you and I have like cried together over some of these hardships and like heartbreaks and just even saying like, let's pray together right now. I really want to talk to you as a friend, but like, it's really important for us to talk to God right now and like meeting each other in weakness in that point. Would you be able to give us some tangible things? Like you're talking about, you know, these like gentle nudges from these close friends. What does that look like to you? Meeting you in weakness? Because I think that's really hard to say, like, what does that actually look like? Well, for me, practically, my husband and I have walked through some miscarriage and some later in the pregnancy loss. And I think for me, I have a lot of friends who want to be there kind of right when it all happens and like want to give their, you know, deepest thoughts and condolences and want to tell me how they're praying. And all of those things are so helpful. And then I have the friends that three weeks later are like, okay, but no, how are you? And like, how are you feeling towards God right now? Tell me the truth. You know, really meeting me where it is and yeah, showing up at my door when they know I'm kind of just saying everything's fine, I'm okay. But the ones that are showing up at my door saying like, no, you're not. And let's be okay with that. And let me talk through that with you instead of just kind of hearing me say that once and being good with that and saying like, okay, I can check that off my list. I checked on Samantha today and she's fine, I think. But you know, Also understanding that different stages of grief like are going to look different and not judging me for moments of weakness I have or just times where I know I'm not walking in obedience. I'm wanting to kind of live out in some frustrations and letting me be there. But also, like we talked about earlier, reminding me of the peace and the joy and the comfort I'm going to feel from heading back towards truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so good. I think obviously there's tons of just like wisdom that goes into how to handle each like friendship and weakness. Because again, like everyone responds to that differently. But again, I think that goes back to even what we're talking about prior to and exposing sin and encouraging us to obey, being so vulnerable with a friendship that you can say like, what do you need in this time? And someone can come to you and say like, this is what I need. And what you're saying is like, you know, being intentional about like following up and really like walking through something with someone, not just being there for the actual crash, but, you know, the aftermath of that too. And just having that like relationship and trust built for that to happen. So the last one that this article talks about is love us for the glory of God. Again, I feel like really blessed in this area. So I'm just like smiling as we talk about this because I have, I feel like a lot of good friendships that really point me to no like glorifying God ultimately in my decisions. But even just thinking back, like how did we get there? It's kind of like hard because, again, that builds over time. But I would say like in this area, again, I feel like all of this kind of builds on top of each other. I need someone to call me out. But I also just need someone 
who's going to say like, this is the bigger picture. I know this mundane task may be really frustrating right now, but like ultimately God is showing you this maybe in here and not even giving me the answer. I think that's a lot of our, a lot of time with my like close, close friends. It's not us like giving our opinions to one another. It's us just saying like, hey, like maybe it's this. Maybe I can see that you're becoming more gracious in this, or I can see that you're growing in this area. Like maybe that's what the Lord's intending you to do. And so they're, again, like pointing me to truth, but also ultimately like concerned most about how I'm glorifying God and like my actions and what I'm doing. So, And I think just genuinely loving us, like loving us not because we want something from that friendship, Mm -hmm. not because we feel like that friendship like boosts us in some certain way, but like genuinely just loving us to glorify God. And I think that, I mean, it's it's more difficult to play out practically in life, but when we can just check our heart's intentions with our friendships too, I think that's a good thing to mention because I've had friendships in the past. It's like, okay, well, what can I gain from this friendship? You know, what am I getting from this or what do they have to offer that I want? And is that what's pressing me into a friendship with that person? Or is it truly saying, who is this person? How can I love them? Mm -hmm. How can I really just be there for them. Well, and I think that's such a good point to just jump in here that I think sometimes, yeah, we're brought friends that we like never expected to be friends with. You and I've talked about this. I'm like, I never really expected to be friends with this person. Now she's like one of my closest friends. But it's also just understanding and like loving that friend because I'm like, I so saw God intercede and like now on how, why we're friends that it's like fun to see that like because God is perfect and all-knowing, he, like, set this person in my path, and now, like, we're great friends. And that's really cool to see, like, God's glory in that friendship when, like, it was nothing, nothing like I ever really saw coming. So so now that we've kind of talked about these marks in friendships, I think it'd be good, Christian, for you and I to just be vulnerable for a second. We both have really different but both very sinful ways that sometimes we approach friends and friendships in general. So do you want to kind of talk about how you think through friendships and how you've kind of grown? Yeah. I feel like friendships have kind of always been honestly just one of the like thorns in my side. It's like the best way to describe it for me. I'm a person who loves community. I love being in a relationship with people. People would probably tell you I have a lot of friends. I like to be on the go with people all the time. But that in a very prideful and ugly way exemplifies itself as me trying to do it all and be it all for everyone all the time. And so I very easily slip into a pattern of thinking myself as God and thinking that my agenda with my friendships is more important than what God has for me in friendships. And so I become really prideful in that. And yeah, just honestly wear myself thin. I think probably about nine months ago, I went through like a huge breaking point of just like learning more about myself. And understanding more so this sin pattern and how unhealthy it was for just like my physical health, my mental health, my spiritual health, because I was not allowing any room for God in just my timing or my plans or my relationships. And I also wasn't allowing just time for rest and time for, again, like the Lord to work in that. And so it's really not been like a perfect science, but I've really like gone through a lot of different ways just to kind of work through this. And so a few things that like have helped me is just recognizing that in a way I felt kind of weird to prioritize friendships that felt really nominal to me. Why would you prioritize a person? They're a person. And so, but it really does. It took me some true reflection, really like looking at this list that we just went over, who are my like true closest go-to people when like 
I'm having a true hardship and I really need prayer and encouragement and I need someone to point me to truth. Like, who are those people? And so I took some time, a few months to kind of honestly like lay out my relationships because it's unrealistic to think that in this time of like busyness and craziness that I can do it all. I can't. That's like the whole point that like I need God to do that. And so finding out who those people are and prioritizing time with them or relationship with them or conversation with them, because that looks different, obviously, in seasons. Maybe I'm more open than others some weeks. But, but then also having friends who I say, you know, like there's a ton of potential here and I really – have fun with this person. And I really enjoy time with them. And so, but recognizing like, I don't need to be their best friend yeah. for me to feel okay about myself. I mean, that's literally what I was doing. I was like finding my identity in like every friendship yeah. out there and thinking I had to be it all for everyone. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of growth in you and that. And I, I'm learning a lot from you in that because I think I've also been someone that has just always maybe had a lot of friends seemingly from the outside. But I can tend to do this thing where I really like going deep, deep, deep in friendships. And maybe that's just through some different things I've been through in life where I've like kept some people really close to me. But I can tend to get really good quality time with one friend and then kind of like not need to see them very often or not have a lot of like weekly check-ins or kind of stepping back from their day-to-day in life. And yes, there's some practicality in that of like, I can't check in with all of my dear friends every day and like see what they're making for dinner. But at the same time, that is part of a friendship that is the more practical of like, hey, how has your relationship with your neighbor been going? Or like catch me up on what shows you're enjoying in life or kind of just more the like joyful aspects of friendship I can tend to not be as intentional about. And so you've taught me a lot more about that as well. And I think that they're both patterns, you know, making sure I am being the one to check in on friends that maybe I have other friends like you that I'm like, okay, well, are they always the one that is making plans with me? Like I should be more thoughtful about that and reach out to them because it feels good when someone reaches out and wants to spend time with you, like desires to be with you. And so that's something that I've been working on. And I think that a lot of people might approach friendships differently. And so I'm, I'm hoping that this conversation can just be a good way to, you know, if you're struggling with friendships, maybe take some practical things away from it about just being bold, being vulnerable, taking that first step. And then also, if you're someone that's just exhausted by friendships in your mid-20s, 30s life right now, just feeling drained because you don't know how to do all of these friendships well or how to balance it all, you know, think through these things. Think through the five marks of friendships that we kind of mentioned and think about how you can be the one to start like moving the needle in friendships if you're wanting them to get deeper or to go in a different direction. Yeah. So we hope this conversation was encouraging. We hope it was something that you can bring some truth from, but also some practicalities of just how to build friendship. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you.